The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're uh, we're right back at it. Hello, Monday. Good to have you along. John Pickus is uh, taking the questions and answering them. 416 870 6400 is the number to call through, and uh, you have questions about uh, your employment, your job, your severance, your boss, or, you know, the hot topic lately, as we know, John, that is COVID-19 and this coronavirus. Have any questions in that regard? I know it's puzzling, it's confusing, it's ever-changing, so bring those on as well. In between those uh, particular topics of phone calls, COVID-19, we'll get to reasons why people accept bad severance packages, and uh, a lot of people do that. We'll get to that as well, and uh, some emails, possibly, if we have time but to right off the top 416-870-6400 you want to talk you got something to say a question bring it on that's why we are here week that was what's uh what's going on in your world pal well a lot right now a lot of questions yeah about uh, severance, a lot of questions about temporary layoffs, and hopefully we have uh, anyone who's affected by that listening right now, and, and we can chat about that. But just to kick things off with a few situations that uh, I've been dealing with lately, uh, first situation involved uh, someone who'd been working for a company as a contractor for 20 years, and this is a company that is still operating uh, throughout the pandemic, but with a slightly reduced workforce. They are an essential service. Uh, so when it came time to shrink the workforce, uh, because, you know, economic reasons they decided they wanted to save some costs, uh, the company decided they were going to prioritize keeping on their employees and instead get rid of all the contractors. And because this person was a contractor, the company told them, well, we're ending your contract due to economic realities of the pandemic. Oh, and because you are not an employee, we do not owe you any severance. Now, if it's, it's true that if this person had been a true independent contractor, he would not be in, entitled to any severance. But once I spoke with him, I learned a few things that made it very clear to me that, in fact, as far as the law was concerned, he was an employee. And so we looked at things like performance reviews, which he had regularly. He didn't hire any of his own people. He didn't work for anyone else. And in fact, he had not worked for any other companies for 10 out of the twenty, uh, the last 20 years that he was working there. And he used all of the company's tools. And we got into some more details. And the more that I looked into it, the more he looked like an employee, right? If it walks like a duck, it talks yeah. like a duck, it is a duck. That's that's what the law looks like, uh, mm-hmm. looks at when they're looking at these uh, questions. So what I told him is that you may have been treated by this company as a contract. They may not have been making deductions at source. You may have been uh, issuing HST. But just because the company says something does not make it so, and neither does the fact that they're not withholding tax at source. The law cares about one thing and one thing only here. Are you in business for yourself, or are you in business for the company? And clearly here, he was in business for the company. Therefore, this person was owed severance, and in fact, he was or he was owed close to two years of his pay. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so this was a very, very significant entitlement. If he hadn't gone to us, he would have thrown away tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And right now, in these economic circumstances, you, you really can't afford to do something like that. Uh, and, and the other thing that I, I always like to point out here is that even if this person had been a contractor, right, maybe he hired his own people, uh, maybe he had one or two other clients, 
but worked mostly or almost entirely for this one company. Well, as yep. a dependent contractor, he would have actually been entitled, as you know, John, uh, to receive yep. the same amount. Uh, so anyone who's a, who's labeled as a contractor out there but really isn't in business for themselves, uh, that those are the kinds of people who should be talking to us uh, once that, that contract is ended. You bet. 416-870-6400. If you prefer, one triple eight two two five talk That is toll-free. Email is uh, quite simply help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get back to uh, more of what you're talking about. John, want to bounce over to our calls. Always our top priority. Sarah, good evening. How are you? Hi, Sarah. Oh, Sarah, not there. Sarah. I don't know. Sarah should be there. I have a phone line. Anyway, we're gonna, uh... Oh, there she is. Hi, oh, how are you? Go. Hi. Hi, Thanks go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I- I'm on CPP disability. And while I was on this, I went to school, and it was covered, fortunately, by second career because I was laid off. But I have, while I was on second career, they took uh, employment insurance benefits. So the tuition was taxable, and I have a T4E for EI benefits. So I'm just wondering if I'm able to apply for anything. And also, because it is CPP disability, um, I guess that would be sensitive in the sense that you're ready and willing to work, but I'm unable to work right now. Right. So this is one of the areas where, to truth be told, Sarah, there's actually quite a bit of ambiguity. Uh, and yeah. I, I wish I could say... Oh. oh. Anyway, continue. Lose, lose well, I'll, I'll continue, and hopefully, Sarah, hopefully you're still listening, and anyone else who's, who's dealing with this as an issue. Um, it's not clear whether money received through CPP um, or through, you know, other government programs like, uh, you know, an Ontario Disability, for example, uh, qualify as income for the purposes of the CERB. Um, you know, and it's worth noting that if you apply for a second after the first period of CERB, depending on the circumstances, uh, you might need to establish that you're not expecting to receive more than $1,000 in income throughout that entire four-week period. So what people need to know is that if it, you are applying and you receive CERB and it is determined later that you are ineligible, you may actually be required to repay any amounts that you have improperly received. Now, I'm of the view and, and, and our firm's of the view that if you've made an application in good faith and you otherwise uh, meet those eligibility requirements, there should not be any penalty. Obviously, we don't know what the government's going to do, but it would surprise me if penalties were applied to people who were not abusing it, but actually thought they were entitled to it. So um, I, I think we need a lot more clarity from the government, on the, from the federal government on this issue. But in the meantime, um, if you need this money and you are affected uh, by uh, COVID-19, um, then you can apply for it. Uh, but keep in mind that you may be required to repay it because what this benefit, this eligibility benefit really is supposed to be for um, are people who are um, out of work and uh, out of work because of uh, because of COVID-19. Now, that's, that's not the way the mechanics are working right now. And a lot of people mm-hmm. who um, are not affected by the pandemic are applying for and receiving CERB. Um, but that's that's not what it's uh, supposed to be meant for. Makes sense, Sarah? Yes. I think there's also the technicality about being on CPP disability. My CPP disability may end because they may look at it 
it as a technicality. You applied for EI. When anyone applies for EI, they should be ready and willing to work. And when you're on CPP disability, that's because you're not able to work. And the only reason I was applying is because I did receive a T4E saying employment insurance benefits were paid. But my CPP disability may be um, canceled because they are going to say, well, you applied for uh, work and this uh, is for someone who's ready and willing to work. Right. Well, keep in mind the very first thing that Service Canada, or CRA rather, is going to require in order to make you eligible for CERB is a record of employment. Okay, so if you don't have a record of employment showing either a leave of absence um, or, a, uh, or a layoff, um, then likely there's not going to be any way to apply for it in the first place. Right. So right. if you're just yep. receiving CPP and you have been receiving it for a long period of time, it's difficult for me to see how you would apply, you, eligibility aside, how you're even going to sort of get into the system to apply for it. Right. The, the, and the only reason I called you tonight was because of the technicality that I have a T4 and EI benefits were being paid from my tuition mm -hmm. while I was in school. Mm -hmm. Well, my sense yeah. is that you probably will not be eligible for CERB, uh, but I would certainly keep an eye on the government web website for updates because uh, we've gotten some more clarifications. Uh, you know, we get more clarifications every week and, and changes to it, so keep your eye on it. And you, you may find that you're uh, later on eligible for it, but for now, I would say you probably are not. Right. Thank you for taking my call. I think Lior is one of the best lawyers out there. I've used him before in the past, and I, I, I can't believe I was so impressed with the time that he took. And I think that was earlier on in his career. But hmm. um, what, a, what a wonderful, uh, intelligent man he is. I appreciate well, that, Sarah. Yeah, thank you very much. I, uh, I share your opinion. <laughs> yeah, you better. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, number is uh, 416-870-6400. Still got a couple minutes till we, uh, till we break. You had something else you want to bring up for a week that was? Am I correct? I do. I okay. do in indeed, John. So yep. this, this one's a little simpler. So this is a situation that had been involved uh, involves an employee who had been working for a company that is uh, also remaining operational during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Very, very large company, but still doing some layoffs as many large companies are. So this person who was laid off was actually a salesperson. She had been there for about five years. Uh, we looked at the severance package that they gave her, and it looked fairly reasonable. They were offering yep. her six months' pay. Uh, but when I looked closer and had a chance actually to speak to her, we realized that it was based on her base salary only. And this is someone whose commissions, which the company referred to misleadingly as, quote, bonuses, made up the lion's share of her compensation. And it was, in fact, it was a difference of about $35,000 over the six-month period they were offering to her. Uh, these commissions uh, were directly related to the production targets she received, um, and this was part of her compensation. It was compensable as part of her severance. So we're going to be assisting her, and at the end of this, I think the company's going to realize they actually owe her quite a bit more uh, than they realized they did. So uh, squeeze Marcus in here quickly. Hi, Marcus. Uh, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. What's, uh, good. what's on your mind? Okay, so I have kind of a tricky question, and I'll try to say it as simply as I can. Basically, um, I was uh, I worked the whole day of this of March eighth, which happened to be my birthday, and uh, my uh, employer uh, came into my office and told me that they were letting me go and told me to clean out my office, 
and I did so on March 8th, but I never got any written documentation that I was fired, uh, mm. no contact from them, nothing kind of saying that I've been fired or what I've been fired for or anything like that. So I was okay. wondering um, if technically I still should be receiving a paycheck from them because I can apply for EI because none of that as far as... Um, so, oh, okay, so no record of employment was issued? No. Okay. Not that I know of. I've asked them and no answers. Like and no and how, how long were you employed for this company, Marcus? So it's a, it was a restaurant, so it, was a, it opened in um, August of last year. So I've been okay. there from the beginning. I've held the same position from the beginning, a management salaried position from the beginning. Okay. So, Marcus, this is the kind of thing that I would recommend that you give us a call and we discuss. Typically, what you want to do in a situation like this is you want to put it to them in writing so they confirm in writing somewhere that they've terminated your employment. And that's going to trigger uh, both your, your entitlement under the Employment Insurance Act to a record of employment. And it's also going to, I mean, they should really be issuing it regardless of whether they let you go. They don't, you don't work there anymore. They have to issue a record of employment one way or another. And the other thing um, is that you may be entitled to some severance here so contact us and we can walk you through how to send that communication to the employer uh, to your former employer now so that you can get that confirmation in writing from them and then start uh, looking at getting employment insurance or, uh, or severance okay thank you guys so much I appreciate that you're welcome. Uh, appreciate uh, appreciate your time, Marcus. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll take a short break here. Get right back into it. You have employment questions of any nature for yourself or for a friend, or if it's about COVID-19, if that's got you all confused, bring it on. That's why we're here. 416-870-6400. Employment Law Show. Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is uh, 722, just getting warmed up here. Plenty of time for your phone calls. 416-870-6400-1-888-225. Talk, that is toll free. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you have questions, by the way, you want to make a phone call about uh, COVID-19 as it uh, factors into your work or lack of work at this point, uh, whether it's CERB or otherwise, make that phone call now and you can go to covidrights.ca. But we're taking those phone calls as well. For the past couple weeks, it's been really heavy on COVID uh, questions. So don't fear. Bring them on. And, and, you know, it never gets old. It's always good to get uh, some answers for sure. Dimitri, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thank you. Good, Pally. What's up? You bet. Uh, so I'm um, I'm a musician, and like a lot of musicians, we we branched ourselves out. Um, I, in addition to uh, touring, which is non-existent at this point, uh, mm-hmm. giving lessons, which is tax exempt, um, and uh, and you know luthiery, fixing instruments, that sort of thing. Musicians branch out and you know we make an income based on all the yeah. things that we so right now I, I, I don't have a touring schedule that's done um, I have you know students here and there the ones that I was going to their homes to see that's not happening um, my question is sort of related to um, the fact that I've, I've lost my entire touring income um, but also the fact that um, uh, my my music lessons that I give are tax exempt. 
according to the Canadian government. So if I make money with students, but I've lost, uh, you know, thousands with touring, um, and I'm not making anything else, am I entitled for CERB, the CERB benefit? Well, the CERB benefit is going, to, is going to consider, again, there is a little bit of ambiguity as, as what counts as income, but everything that you've described, including the music lessons, including, um, of course, the lost touring income lessons, whatever the case may be, is going to qualify as income. So if you do not expect to receive more than $1,000 for the four, for you know each four-week period um, that you are uh, applying for for at least 14 days um, in a row, uh, then you're going to be entitled to this. But if you are receiving that from music lessons, um, then you would uh, not be entitled uh, to, most likely not be entitled to the CERB, um, the CERB. That's new information. I, I'm... I, this is the first I'm hearing that you can make a minimum of $1,000 and still receive CERB. Well, that, that it is new. Yes, it, it is actually quite new. Okay. So that's a change that was put into place, um, I believe it was last week uh, that they made that change. Uh, in fact, if you go on the website, you'll see there's a, there's a blue notice that actually shows that the CRB is now available if you have earned $1,000 before tax, that's gross, mind you, uh, during each eligibility period. So this is, this is new, um, but if you anticipate that um, during you know, that, uh, that eligibility period, which again is four weeks, um, you're not going to make uh, more than $1,000, then absolutely you should be applying for CERB. That answers all my questions. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for the show. And uh, to all my musician brothers and sisters out there, good luck to all you guys. You Thank bet. You. Thanks, Dimitri. Appreciate your time as well. You want to reach out further, by the way, if you need to, you can call John or Lior, member of the team, one 855 821-5900 or help at employmentlawyer.ca but in the here and now you want to call through ask your questions just like that get some answers it's simple 416-870-6400 moving on to uh, to Frank hi Frank hey how are you guys good pal what's up I'm a realtor I have, since this started I have my listings cancelled nobody wants to go buy a house and I haven't made a deal or got paid in the last 30 days and I haven't applied for anything am I entitled to anything Yes, so the the CERB does apply to self-employed individuals in the same way that it uh, applies to um, um, to empl- employees. Um, the other thing is, I don't know if you if you work for an organization or if you're on your own, but if you work for an organization um, that uh, is applying a, a steady paycheck every week, um, even if you are or every two weeks, even if you are there as a contractor, you may have some rights. Um, over the no, long I'm term, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent commission agent. I'm a realtor. Okay, so you're total. Okay, so you're totally on your own. So in that case, um, just as far as the CERB goes, yes, I would say you should and can apply for the CERB. You're not earning any income. You should be eligible. So when though, like I know that's everything that opens up in June, July, for example. No one's really going to buy a house, so everything is back and settled. Can I keep applying for that until I make a deal? Um, you can uh, right now the period the maximum period is 16 weeks okay so you p- 
currently you won't be able to apply beyond a 16-week period. It's possible they may extend it depending on, you know, the circumstances and what they deem is appropriate given the economic recovery. But right now, it's just for that, it's just that maximum 16-week period. Uh, but personally, if, if I were you, I would not be shy about applying to it and applying for it right away. Um, they, uh, the payments are being made very quickly. Um, and as I mentioned earlier on in the hour, they're, most of the um, scrutiny around eligibility will come afterwards. So as long as you in good faith apply and you meet that criteria, and based on everything you've told me, it sounds like you do, um, you should be uh, feel safe in applying for it and getting that, uh, so one last that benefit. Question. Yes, let's sure. Say I make a, let's say I make a deal tomorrow, mm-hmm. but my deal doesn't close till December. Mm-hmm. Now, I keep applying for it, or once I make a deal, even though I haven't been paid out the deal, I have to stop. Good question. So, good question. So, what the criteria says is it's about receiving money during that okay. four-week period. So, if you are not going to receive money, then even if you expect okay. to receive money later, um, under okay. the, the current rules, you're still a, you're, you're eligible. All right. Thank you. Be safe. Thanks, Frank. You too, brother. Stay safe. Uh, you want to reach out further, one 821 5900 That's to get a hold of John and Lior when the show is not on the air. But uh, right here, right now, 416-870-6400. That is the way. Paul, thank you for hanging on. Good evening. Hey, Paul. Hello, how are you? Good, mate. What's uh, what's up with you? Uh, I've just got a quick question. Um I've had actually a uh, contract with, uh, I won't say who it is, but uh, I'm uh, I'm in uh, London, Ontario area, um, but okay. in Grand Bend, actually. And uh, the contract expired in 2016. They were offering a new contract um probably about uh, six months ago. And uh, with all this COVID thing, uh, I was janitorial, and everybody in the plant got very paranoid, and I did the best I could. And they terminated me, but I did a great job. So what are my rights as far as am I an employee? Am I Okay, Paul. Well, let, let let's let's get into this a little bit. So you say you have a contract with a company. Do you work for any other companies? I have my own company. I was a separate contractor. Okay, no, I understand that, but uh, do you have any contracts with um, anyone else other than this 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 company in question that you were that you yes, were talking of about? Course. You do have other contracts? In London, yes. Okay. And would you say um, this particular contract, the one who just terminated your con- your your contract, do they make up 50% of your income, 75% of your income, 90%? Do you have a sense? Oh, did we, did we lose Paul? Paul? No, he's still there. Paul's still there. There he is. Hey, Paul, you're back, right. so go ahead. Well, okay. Yep. 60%. Uh, we lost... Six, okay. 60%? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, it's... See, and, and do you hire your own people in this in this company? Do you have anyone working oh, for me. you? I'm, I'm a one-person person. Okay. And and do, do any of these companies, or this company in particular, do they provide you with uh, equipment, or do you provide your own equipment? Provide my own equipment. 
Okay. So the question here, Paul, is, is going to be whether you are a dependent contractor and whether there's something in this contract that can limit your rights. Um, there's a possibility that you may be entitled to the balance of the contract. Um, there's a possibility that you may be entitled to severance as a dependent contractor. But really, the only way that we're going to be able to determine this is if we can see that contract and the specific wording of that, uh, sp including, uh, in particular, your most recent contract as to whether you're going to be entitled to any severance. So I'm not going to say it's a clear answer that definitely you're entitled to severance or definitely you are not. Uh, it's, it's someone at 60% 60 of your income coming from one company. It's, uh, it's very possible that you could be deemed an independent contractor, in which case you would not be entitled to severance. But the only way to know uh, is to give us a call and uh, let us uh, take a look at that for you and make sure you have your I'd contract like to do on that it. Because actually, I have the original contract. Okay. And they don't have a copy of it because it's so far back, mm -hmm. they have no copy of it. Okay. They, they well, can't even find it. Well, we're going to want to know exactly what that contract says and exactly what it speaks to in terms of the term of your contract and the termination. And we're going to want to get into more detail to look at whether perhaps you're an employee uh, as opposed to a contractor. Because, you know, based on everything you're telling me, it's it, it really could go either way. But after we have a more detailed call, we can definitely uh, land on, on uh, where uh, where your rights are here. Paul, here is that number to reach out, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the way to go. Uh, but for you now, 416-870-6400, that is the uh, number you use to call in and talk to us. Tony, thanks for waiting. Hello. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. Hello. You bet. Uh, What's up, pal? Uh, well, I work in a, a unionized environment uh, we have a collective agreement with our employer. Uh, in that collective agreement, we have a section for sick leave and short-term disability and long-term disability. My question has to do uh, with this. The employer is using a third-party health and absentee management company to monitor absences due to illness. Um, I want to know... Do I have to speak to this third party or do any of the unionized brothers and sisters have to speak to this third party health management company if it's not in our collective agreement? We're kind of being strong armed uh, into dealing with them. And I don't think it's um, I don't think it's right. Right. Well, that, that is a strange situation. Uh, the first thing that I should tell you, Tony, is that the, the first person to go to is your union representative um, who is going to, first of all, have a copy of the collective agreement and will, and will know um, whether this is something that you need to do. And generally speaking, you should be following the direction of your union because that is your representative, that is your advocate. Um, now, there's no standing rule that says that you have to speak to someone during a medical leave. If you provide a doctor's note, and as you may know, that the requirements for doctor's notes have been relaxed during the pandemic. Uh, if you provide a doctor's note, then typically speaking, that is going to be enough. Um, and if they have questions, they should be asking the doctor directly. So it does strike me as a little bit strange uh, what they're doing and uh, likely not something they can force you to do. But again, the first thing you should be doing is going to that union representative who is there to advocate for you and to make sure that you're you're treated fairly here and and just on the side john it doesn't matter you can't you can't represent union uh, employees anyway correct 
Yeah, there there are very yeah. very limited circumstances where uh, yeah. we as lawyers can represent a unionized employee. Uh, those gotcha. include situations of human rights uh, complaints, or in even l more limited circumstances uh, where there's a duty of fair representation. But those are extremely extremely rare. Generally speaking, uh, unless it's a human rights concern, uh, it should be dealt with uh, directly with the union. Going to move on here to uh, to Adam. Hi, Adam. You're up next. Good evening. Hi. How you doing? Good, pal. What's uh, what's on your mind? My question. Um, now, I have a business that obviously is limited now with the uh, with the current virus situation, and I qualify for the CERB if I don't pay myself. Now, if I normally pay myself in the business out of the business, and I stop doing that, am I still entitled to the CERB? Well, under the current rules, the rule is that you are not receiving that income, and you're not expecting to receive that income. Um, so if you are not uh, able to uh, take a draw for yourself and you're not um, um, earning earning anything through the business, then you would qualify for CERB. But I, I will say this. If you are receiving money into the business and you're just, taking, you're just not taking that money for yourself, uh, the CRA may determine that that is actually income uh, as, as they're defining it uh, for the CERB and you may be required to repay it. So I would say that unless the business itself is not taking any income and you actually don't have the ability to pay yourself income, uh, you, pr you may not be entitled to CERB. You may be risking penalties and repayment later on because uh, I suspect that the CRA is not going to allow people to keep the CERB benefit if they've simply deferred the revenues that they could have paid themselves out uh, for a later time. Well, what if the business isn't showing a profit with what they're taking in at the moment, and they're actually showing a loss? Well, if yeah, if there's if there's no money to pay you with uh, after you have paid all of uh, the company's expenses, then I would say that probably you're safe in applying for the CERB. Um, but if there is the possibility of paying yourself money after these expenses are paid, and you are choosing um, not to because you know you need to. Uh, anticipate further expenses later down the line uh, that's that's where I think it gets uh, gets uh, more dicey but if you're really not able to pay yourself uh, even a thousand dollars in a, in a four-week period I would say absolutely apply for it and you should be eligible but you can you can pay yourself a thousand and still collect it as well though correct right sorry over a thousand over a thousand okay yes okay. yes okay, well thank you thank you yeah you're welcome Thanks, Adam. Appreciate the call. And by the way, covidrights.ca, if you want more information on the CERB, it'll tell you how to do, uh, do all that stuff as well. I'm going to move on to, uh, to Mina. Hello, Mina. Good evening. Hi. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Okay. It's regarding my daughter. She's a university student. So I was wondering if she's eligible for the CERB. Right now, as it currently stands, there is no way uh, for a university student to apply for uh, the CERB because uh, in order to get um, the CERB, you actually have to have a, um, a record of employment um, to start with. So this is something that's actually um, triggered a lot of discussion. There has been a lot of complaint that university students um, have been uh, left left out because right now the COVID-19 benefit is only available to people who've had to stop work. So I would check uh, very regularly on the government website for um, updates for this, but currently uh, those students uh, are, are not going to be um, eligible for it. Okay, so she did work last year in the summer, 
Okay. So do you think if we take a record of employment from the um, owner, would he would that work? Um, in that case, you could try that way and get a record using that record of employment. But first of all, it's it's likely you're likely going to um, it's going to be too um, uh, too late to apply in that instance. Um, really, uh, to be eligible, um, you have to have first of all you have to have earned five thousand dollars or more income from it. So if she di- if she didn't earn five thousand dollars or more from that than that job, then she's not going to be uh, uh, eligible. But assuming that she did, um, uh, and if she didn't receive EI in the previous period, it is possible that she would be eligible for it. Uh, but remember that this, the CERB is meant for people who have lost their job as a result of COVID-19, right? So I think that's still a little bit risky. Okay, got it. Thank you, Mina. Appreciate the call. 416-870-6400. That is the number for you to call as well with our uh, remaining time here. Got a couple, a few minutes. Anyway, Derek, how are you? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for taking my call. And You bet. I'm a layman, so I have six kids, three are in university. There's a Brady Bunch blended family, and one is uh, high school. Now, the two in university that made more than five grand last year, they applied and they're getting their $2,000 check. So um, maybe that's an update. I'm not going to say I know more or I know better, but just if that lady's still listening, um, my stepson and daughter worked, made more than five grand last year. They just finished um, Waterloo, not Waterloo, sorry, Guelph and Western, and they mm-hmm. both applied and they both qualified. Now, my Jeez. question is about my high school stepdaughter, who's made 4800 and some odd dollars at a... Food service, but if she's to claim her tips, she'd qualify because she'd be over five grand. And believe it or not, as long as you're above 15 and you made five grand and you can't go back to work because of C19, they're allowing kids to apply. So, how do I prove to the government she made over $200 in tips to put her income over five grand? Right. Well, that that income is still going to count. And the other thing that I should point out, just just going back to your earlier comment, is that generally speaking, they're not they're not really vetting people for this benefit right now, right? So if you apply, chances are you're going to you're going to get it, right? Yeah. You're going to fill out this criteria, you're going to check off the boxes, and then you're going to get it. Where the risk comes, and this comes for anyone who's applying for it, uh, who may not fit this criteria, is that you may be required to repay this amount later. Now, I suspect they probably won't be giving penalties um, to students, but they may still say, okay, you know what, you actually didn't meet this criteria, and we're now going to ask you to repay it back. So you do need to be careful. Now, in answer to the second thing that you pointed out, uh, income is going to be, anything's going to be considered income, whether it is a base salary, uh, if it's tips, uh, if it's included on a, you know, on the, although tips really should be included as part of the tax return, um, you know, whether there's a paper trail or not, it's all going to be considered income. And if it is determined that you did not, did not earn a minimum of 5,000, um, you're, uh, you're not going to be qualified. But in getting to that $5,000 figure, really Anything um, that was received as employment income, uh, self-employment income, 
or uh, provincial federal benefits, uh, all of that is going to qualify, and you should use all of that when adding it up and determining whether uh, whether you can apply for it. Well, I, I want to appreciate uh, the advice that Andrew gave me because I want to have the two university kids call back and get direction about will they have to pay this back because they're led to believe they're going to get it, which will be very helpful for school next year. But if mm-hmm. they're going to get it, it's to pay it back. That's huge, and I'm going to look into that, so I appreciate that very much. I, I would, yes, absolutely. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate that. I think we got time here just to squeeze in Kevin quickly. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing, mate? Good, pal. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, just a quick question. I'm a truck driver. Uh, I had loose on uh, COVID-19 symptoms, so I self-quarantined for 14 days. So my company said I have the option of applying for EI or use my vacation bank was left for sick days, which I didn't have any. So I used the week vacation. Um, so the second week, I didn't have any income coming at all. So now, do I qualify for CERB or not? No, so if you only didn't have income for one week, you're not going to be uh, eligible for it uh, because the CERB actually requires that you don't have uh, any income for uh, 14 days uh, within that or, or, or no more than $1,000 uh, in those 14 days. So unless the vacation pay uh, was $1,000 or less, if it was, then you could be still entitled to it. Um, but if you received more than one thousand dollars in the fourteen-day period, then you will not be uh, eligible for CERB. Now, is that uh, gross or is that net? Gross. Gross. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right, Kev. Appreciate that call, and that's where we are going to leave it for this evening. Appreciate all of your calls and your time. You want to reach out now that we are done for the evening to get a hold of John or Leor, member of the uh, the awesome team. It's uh, no problem. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address, or simply employmentlawyer.ca. You can find past shows and uh, links to our television show as well, and also covidrights.ca. There's a ton of information there as well. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. On point with Alex Pearson is coming right back on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.